Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the podcast and this week it's the multi-featured monthly magazine style podcast we meet the future foods man who's the first to give the beyond meat burger a home of its own the b&b owner who's quietly converting her guests to living lightly on the planet and best-selling author wendy mitchell whose memoir about dementia has plenty to teach us about how to enjoy our food plus two master chef judges from opposite sides of the world and livy from the food team for the month but first, Karen Barnes, editor of Delicious Magazine, on why making mistakes in the kitchen is a metaphor for life. If you look at Instagram, and there's been so much talk about the importance of perfection and how dangerous that can be if, if in broader life we're given this message that everything has to be perfect. The same applies to food, and I think broadly speaking, food on Instagram is a very positive environment, but you can still get this sense that with certain people it's all about perfection, so the most beautiful, stylish kitchen, food that never goes wrong, always looks incredible on the plate, but actually the nub of it in terms of improving your cooking skills is that you learn from making mistakes, don't you? Like life itself. Like life itself, it's a metaphor for life. But I think we were all talking about that and it led to a big conversation in the office about how the mistakes that we've all made in the kitchen and what we've learnt from them. And myself, I had a story of uh, ridiculously making a chocolate and rum souffle for the first time in an open plan kitchen in front of assembled throng of guests who I didn't know very well. This was a long time ago, I hasten to add. <laughs> and needless to say, everything went wrong and I was trying to hide as the chocolate seized into this awful ball of nothingness and so I threw it all away and started again and the same thing happened so I then thought on my feet how can I make this work and I came up with a solution but it, it taught me first of all that there are ways that you can save um, seized chocolate with a bit of cream slowly melted over the heat but it also taught me don't be ridiculous and try and do showy offy <laughs> really complicated recipes for the first time when there are people watching you and so in the May issue of the magazine uh, quite a few of the team share their amusing disasters to illustrate Deborah's feature about the fact that how important it is to make mistakes in cooking and in broader life because we all improve as a result. 
Now with pressure on to find more sustainable ways to feed the almost 10 billion people predicted to live on the planet by 2050, the boom for plant-based proteins is an exciting new business opportunity. Ross Forder spotted the trend and is the first person in the UK to create a burger bar dedicated to the Beyond Meat Burger. I asked him if he came from a background in food. No, I didn't. I actually came from a technology background. So I was working for Tesla, the Elon Musk electric car company previous to this. Uh, I've always loved burgers. uh, And previous to being a vegan, which I am now, loved meat as well. And uh, But yeah, I had a passion for technology, which kind of led me into keeping an eye on the uh, progressions of vegan food technology coming out of California over the last few years. And presumably a a passion for saving the world, because that's what Tesla is also about, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's, to be honest, that's ultimately why I transferred from Tesla full-time to this, recognising that animal agriculture creates more greenhouse gases than all transport combined. So I was like, actually, I can have more impact within that realm uh, if I can help um, change the protein that's occurring on the centre of folks' plates. So tell us about Beyond Meat. We've heard that mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio is behind it. Yes. It's big deal. It's yep. the bleeding burger. It's the one that's sold in the meat counters in California. Absolutely. It's taking America by storm. For you, what yes. is it? Yeah. Um, it's, it just represents the future of where, where the protein's going to be in the future. I mean, like you said, so I mean, as an example, in some supermarkets in California, it's outselling beef burgers. Because what you have now is a patty that, as an example, requires uh, 99% less water, 93% less land, 90% fewer greenhouse gas emissions. And so you're kind of at a stage now where it makes, it makes a lot of sense to choose that patty when now we don't have to compromise. It gives you exactly what you want, the mouthfeel, the flavour, the texture that you want in a, in a nice juicy burger. Yeah, and what you've also got here at Halo Burger is a bit of the old nostalgia, the 1980s music, you've got yeah. the gherkin, you've got the classic American burger. The only thing I, I would say about it is it's expensive. Not so it's £9 pounds for the quarter pounder yes. and nine fifty for the Halo Burger. Correct, yes. And that reflects the cost of bringing it over from America. Yes, yeah, it does. It's a bit mad. There's a huge carbon footprint on bringing it over from America. Yeah, I think we'd be surprised even with the shipping process. Obviously, it's uh, it's coming over in a big shipping container rather than being air freighted, as an example. Um, but no, I absolutely agree. The, the price is up there, and I think this definitely rec- uh, reflects... Uh, where we're at at the moment with this technology, it's very, very new, and new technology costs a little bit more. But absolutely, in the future, we we uh, hope that Beyond Meat, as an example, will have a European production facility. So that brings it a lot closer to home. That's their intention. You know, okay. they've, they've they've publicly stated that. And, and they do have a bit of a, a few secrets in their recipe, don't they? Uh, what about the uh, the scent enhancers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot comes down into their their R and D department. Uh, I've been over there in California to look at the R&D department. You feel like you've walked into some futuristic scientific laboratory labs. I mean, it's really crazy. You've got scientists in white coats testing out all the scents um, and also the textures of the burger as well. And what they're trying to do is understand what makes beef beef. Why does it taste like that? Why does it feel like that in your mouth? Uh, break that down from a scientific standpoint and then put it and then do the same with plant protein. So a lot of it, you've correctly said, is about scent. A lot of it's also the texture. So what they're doing is they're taking plant protein and they're re-stitching it at the very small, uh, fine level to resemble the shape and profile of animal protein, and that's what gives it its texture. So it's it's Deliveroo where it really works here for you in Brixton, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So Deliveroo represents a substantial part of our business here, and I think, you know... um, as we mentioned uh, before, uh, 
being a little bit hungover, particularly on a Sunday, and just being able to uh, slide onto your couch and have a delicious um, burger that doesn't come with the guilt, uh, it's yeah, it's doing really well for us and uh, allows us to get this product into the hands of a lot of people in the area that may not be coming out to Pop Brixton on that on that specific evening. Which is really important for you because you gave up a top job at Tesla. You sold your Tesla yes. and moved into this. You're putting everything into it. Absolutely, yeah. So I exactly that. I, I mean, I'd very recently been promoted at Tesla, quite fortunately, and I quit my job at Tesla. Uh, which I loved. I did love it. It was a great company to work for. You're absolutely right. I sold my Tesla, which was the little roadster they shone in space, uh, limited edition one. That was definitely tough. But um, I believe in what we're doing here. I believe in the mission. And um, and so for me, it wasn't really much of a question. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to give everything I've got into Halo Burger now, and that's it. Now, remember that BBC sitcom, The Good Life? Well, Vicky Radkin, who runs Starnash Guesthouse in East Sussex, is a bit of a modern-day Barbara Good quietly serving her guests food from her garden and eggs from her hens and her passion for living lightly. I caught up with her in her greenhouse, tending her open pollinated seeds for the year ahead, and I asked her what she was growing. Basically, what I grow is quite simply what we're going to be eating throughout the year. So I have to plan my winter garden, so I've got my broccoli and my kale and my chard and all sorts of things, leeks and so forth. And then I have all the yummy stuff that grows in the summer, and, and so we would you know be seed saving we'll be drying our beans and so forth so that we can last throughout the winter now you use a a phrase you say we need to live lightly on the land presumably that means you live off the land but you don't make very much of an impact hopefully don't make very much of an impact so um i mean we run our little bed and breakfast and um i try to use as much as we grow um in the food that we feed our guests so we have our few little tiny flock of hens who just free range around um, and then they lay their very golden yolked eggs which I have to find in the haystack and all over the place and then um, all of our scraps tend to go to them so I always say to the guests you know it doesn't matter if you think you've got too much on your plate because it's not going to go to waste it's actually going to go and make another egg or the food that you eat and so then we um, anything that's left over vegetable wise we just compost it uh, we compost all the hen's shells and, and everything, all the coffee grounds, all the tea, absolutely everything. Um, that goes onto the veg patches. And we just, we don't grow very much. But then when you are uh, eating off the land that you live in, you only need a tiny bit because actually the food's so much healthier. Um, and actually, if you're eating seasonally from your own plot, you're um, getting all the vitamins and minerals that you need for the area that you live in. You're also a big fan of weeds. Oh, I love a weed. Because <laughs> basically I'm very lazy. Um, and so I found that, in actual fact, weeds grow better than anything else that I can plant. So we've got growing freely all over the place some wild garlic and um, wild rocket, which I can't really control. So the best thing to do is to eat it. Um, so I collect loads of wild garlic, loads of rocket. You can have nettle tops as well if you want. Um, obviously you have to sort of blanch the nettle tops to take the sting out for a minute in boiling water. I would add to that some um, uh, olive oil I would, or other oil, rapeseed oil maybe, um, some nuts of some sort, maybe pine nuts or walnuts or whatever you like, hazelnuts being nuts that can be grown here. Um, you can use some local cheese as well, grated into that. You can also add some sorrel, which gives it a lovely lemony kick. So I've got lots of wild sorrel growing around as well. Um, and so you just whiz that all up in a blender, and it makes the most, and season it, of course, with salt and pepper, and makes a most delicious 
um, pesto to have with pasta or whatever else you fancy. So I love the idea that your guests come from all over the place to have a nice little country weekend or a midweek retreat, and yet they are joining you in this quiet, very peaceful activism in the heart of Sussex. Yes, I mean, they don't necessarily know when they arrive, <laughs> but they do know when they've left. Because you talk to them about it. Yes, I always talk to them. We always get on to because it's amazing how many people are really interested in that, and I think people are getting to feel that they want to have more control over the way that they live and don't want to be um, sort of have to go to the supermarket for all their food when in actual fact it's all around us all the time you have to have a few recipes you have to know what you're doing and of course I don't live entirely from what we grow by any means um, but I tend to use the byproducts to go back into the land so for example if we have coffee I can't possibly grow coffee but the coffee grounds will become compost and the compost will go back onto the land and then it will turn into other sorts of food so and a lot of your guests go off with a plan to start having their own hands <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and that's because they get fo followed around by those these little lovers. Yes, 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 quite often. <laughs> and do you tell them how to do it? Yes, I do, yes. Because hens, I think, are so simple. And people think you might have to go and collect them and put them away at night. No, hens take themselves off. They live in a little flock together. And um, they just do their business throughout the day, just peacefully, very peacefully. And um, then in the morning, after you've sort of locked them away at night, of course, uh, you can let them out, go and collect your eggs, have your delicious breakfast. Because, of course, a hen's egg that has been, you know, from a free-ranging hen has got all the chlorophyll in it to make the beautiful golden yolks. Um, it's full of vitamins and minerals. Its uh, cholesterol is good cholesterol. Um, there's nothing bad about a free, properly free-ranging hen's egg. And, of course, the medicinal herbs are all around us. Oh, yes, sage and honey, thyme, all the herbs around us are absolutely brilliant for us and can be used in everything, you know, rosemary and your shampoo, um, all sorts of things. So I just use herbs all the time. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When Wendy Mitchell was diagnosed with dementia in her late 50s, her response was to write about it. A blog, and then with the help of journalist Anna Wharton, a best-selling book called Someone I Used to Know. It's an astonishing story of attitude. 
as she negotiates her way through the inevitable decline. I asked her, now in her early 60s, how dementia has affected her relationship with food. I used to adore cooking and I used to cook from fresh every single night, even though I was living alone. I used to cook from fresh because I enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and you used to bake with your children. Oh, yes. The, we, we always used to have a baking session on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I, I just loved baking, cooking, making bread, and everything to do with cooking. It used to be a big part of my life. Yeah. And a big part of just um, getting them to try new food and everything, just like any yeah. family do. Of course. Yeah. And as a single mum, that must have been an amazing way of bonding with your That's two right. girls. Yes, and they used to love eating as, as well. Of course. <laughs> Who doesn't? And then what happened? Yeah. Well, once I was diagnosed with dementia... Then my taste buds changed. I, I can't remember when, but it felt like overnight. And I used to adore afternoon tea and having cake and biscuits, etc. But suddenly everything sweet tasted doubly sweet, um, which is very common for people with dementia. Mm. Um, I'm I'm very fortunate in that I've got a liking for savoury food whereas many other people have a liking for sweet food so I think I got the best of of the bargain there. So did you just stop making things that were sweet? Well (laughs) I stopped making things full stop because I could never follow the recipe so I turned the page and then forgot what was on the page before so I never knew if I'd added salt or sugar or and things just began not to work. Uh, I used to bake every Saturday for a homeless shelter and to always take them cakes. And suddenly I'd look in the oven and things just weren't the same. They weren't right. Yeah. So I I stopped baking, sadly. Cooking now is so difficult. I just don't cook. Uh, I gradually went down from two pounds to one pan to no pans because I'd get confused with what I was doing. Mm. But I can still use the microwave. So porridge plays a big part in my diet. <laughs> Although it does, you do say in your book that you forgot the porridge and you found well, it in yeah. the microwave. Uh, uh, often, if I get distracted, then I'll find this congealed mess <laughs> in the microwave. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. And one of the other things that's really interesting is that y- you can't see certain foods on white plates. No, right, white is a... Especially if you think of things like um, mashed potato, cauliflower, cheese. They're very pale anyway. So it looks like there's an empty plate. So it's always good to have a a nice coloured plate to see food, food like that on. But I actually find bowls better now Mm -hmm. because it's so difficult to... um, to, to coordinate the food onto a spoon or a fork that bowls are so much easier so I always say there's always a way there's always a way and you yeah. found a way for all sorts of uh, of the normal things that we take for granted since you were diagnosed with dementia you've moved into a different home which mm. is very much dementia proofed yeah. uh, tell us about the kitchen what can you mm. do to feed yourself and give yourself some joy in food well uh, I don't feel hunger anymore. So for me, food is fuel. 
But I have a, a wonderful son-in-law, Stuart, who loves to cook. And he will, a couple of times a week, he will always make sure I have some wonderful creation of his. He's a vegan and cooks me the most amazing vegan meals. And I probably would never have imagined me eating vegan food if it hadn't have been for him. So I, I, he, he gets intense joy from cooking it. So I get intense joy from, from eating it. Can you remember the last wonderful meal that he cooked you? Oh my goodness, Mother's Day he cooked. And I can't remember what he cooked, but I remember we had a lovely time. <laughs> we, and that's the most important thing after it. all, isn't it? We forget it? the detail overnight. I'll forget the detail of us talking overnight, but I'll remember that I had a nice time and that you had a nice smiley face. Now, New Zealander chef Monica Galetti has just joined the team of mentors for the young talent currently signing up for the San Pellegrino Young Chef Awards. It's a role that she knows well after years of judging Master Chef the professionals with fellow chef Marcus Waring. Um, this is my 11th year uh, of, of judging uh, Master Chef the, the professional. So, yeah, it is starting to feel a bit like it's forever. <laughs> it's been forever. <laughs> but it's a lovely gift back to the industry, isn't it? Being a mentor and a, and a judge. I mean, I prefer to, to think of you as a, as a mentor rather than a judge because you're giving constructive criticism a lot of the time. Is that how you see it? Um, absolutely. And there's a lot of guidance involved, you know, uh, with the chefs uh, on the show. Um, you don't see a lot of the feedback that Marcus and I are giving um, you know off camera um, and what you're finding is uh, the chefs once they start to gain a little bit of confidence they really begin to flourish you know and that makes it an exciting journey to be a part of yeah and presumably you learn from them Yes, on things not to do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's just uh, really wonderful to see the young talent coming through uh, and knowing that, you know, the future of, of, of food in, in the UK is in good hands. Yeah. Now let's talk about the Young Chef Awards. Now I covered it in Bilbao last year and it was an extraordinary experience watching you know, a lot of young chefs getting to the finals, being so terrified by the judges and just being in the presence of some of the best chefs in the world. This year, you're being part of that. First, first of all, tell me why you're agreeing to, to do that. Um, I think it's important to, to give back to, to the industry and also to, to be a part of, of nurturing the, the, the future talent. You know, it, it's being supportive. Um, and also it gives you a feel of, of what the talent is like out there um, at the moment, you know. And then you sort of hope, you know, if you can get, you know, one or two chefs to get into the industry by being a part of it and being supportive of it, you've done something good. You'll be supporting one of the UK and Ireland contestants um, in the final contest. Where are those chefs in comparison to the rest of the world? The French, the Spanish, the Peru seems to win everything. Where, where are we in, in an international context? Oh, you know, I think we have uh, just as good as an opportunity for as, as any of the, of the other countries out there. But it's all going to come down to the mentoring in a, in a small amount of time. And, you know, the chefs that, that go through need to be exposed to as much as possible to really gain the, the, the upper hand and the level of, of experience. You know, you can only go by what talent we're producing. I think at the moment we have some amazing chefs and amazing 
different types of cuisines going on in the UK. And, you know, if we can get our finalists, our final two or three chefs to, to, to experience some of that, you know, and, and gain some of that experience from these talented chefs, you know, um, it could be anyone's. Yeah. And one of the most important takeouts for, for me last year watching the, the finals was how important the signature is, the, 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 the very unique story that you're bringing to a dish sometimes it feels that some of these guys are so young how can they even have a story um you, you possibly find that you know when you when you push a chef to to find a story that they then can relate it back to where they're from what they've grown up with uh, what they ate as a family uh, their first holiday experience you know uh can 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 be a part of that um food is memories you know when we enjoy food when we have food it's, it's a who you having it with when did you have it what was it that you know um it, it evokes that and if you can bring that to to the experience it makes it something more deep and personal if you're a young chef and you think you can hold your own on the world stage, you can find out how to apply at sampellegrinoyoungchef.com. Now, when I was in Bangkok last month, I met Thailand's most famous TV chef and master chef judge, Ian Kittichai. He treated us to a fabulous tasting menu at his restaurant, Isia Siamese Club, where the vegan and vegetarian options attract the rich and famous, including one of our own favourite celebs. A friend of mine in London called me and it was like, Robin, can I hang up? It's nine o'clock. Uh, I need to serve uh, David Beckham. He's like, no way. I just saw him walking on the street with his family in a shopping area in, in, in London. First thing he touched down, he go to your restaurant. That's insane. I said, I cannot believe it. Can you take picture? It was like, I cannot take picture. And I'm just wondering mm-hmm. whether these celebrities who mm-hmm. are very conscious about their health mm-hmm. are really encouraged by your brilliant mm-hmm. vegan and vegetarian mm-hmm. recipes. Tell me about using the fermented products mm-hmm. for vegan food. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the fermented product because of uh, it being used so long time ago, like, you know, before I born. And then, you know, Chinese was using like soybean and Japanese using the uh, uh, pearl barley or barley to, to making the miso and then soybean. And then that giving uh, like the fifth element, that's how I call it, because of uh, it bring up the flavor. It has more unique uh, plungent, saltiness, sour, and then also the uh, umami flavor. That's how yes. we say it, right? So that... Which is the go- holy grail in <laughs> vegan food, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. And then Thai cooking, we use a lot of fresh herbs. You know, you're using lemongrass, coffee lime, kalangan, so because this is actually making really Thai food really unique. And you made us a curry earlier, and you mm-hmm. said that instead of shrimp paste, mm-hmm. uh-huh. you could use fermented yellow bean. Yes, uh, that's another thing, because of, uh, um, as you know, that the shrimp paste giving you the saltiness, mm-hmm. the flavor, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're using the uh, fermented uh, soybean, also it's salty that came out from the flavor of the uh, salted yellow bean because it's, it's called salted yellow bean so that replacing between the shrimp and then the saltiness of the uh, bean curd yeah. or, or bean paste or you can get like salted um, black bean you can get the salted bean curd and fermented uh, bean curd and so on so on so I think all the stuff you know you don't actually putting so much in you just have a, like a hint of the flavor of that to bring out all the flavor to come out of the uh, the curry paste. Top tide tip. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And finally, Livy from the food team on playing with your food. So in our East issue, we've got a fabulous feature called How to Throw a Ramen Party. It was so much fun to develop and think about it when we were going through it. It's just 
I think it's a really nice thing to do something different on the bank holiday. There's a few bank holidays coming up and it's nice to do something just a little bit different to entertain and whilst we're developing we found out some really interesting facts about the different types of noodles and the different types of broths there's four different types of broth we've got a veggie option we've got some meat options as well a fab miso bacon topping which everybody absolutely loves um so it's a bit of a mix and match throw everything together put it in the middle of the table and just let everyone dig in really how do you stop ramen being sloppy I think the slurping is an essential part, but uh, I think what it, I think I read that apparently you're supposed to eat the noodles within a few minutes of them touching the broth, which is I think where all the slurping comes oh. from as well. So you have to be quite quick about it. Yeah. So when you're choosing your toppings, you just have to make up your mind really quickly and then dig in. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Delicious Podcast. You can follow all my adventures in podcasting with the hashtag The Delicious Podcast and subscribe via iTunes or on your podcast app. Next week, I'll be back with how to cook like Michelin star Adam Byatt at Trinity Restaurant in Clapham. I'll see you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 